We'll continue in worship this morning. Uh, as you know, and man, I love the, the, the uh, blast message this morning. It was so on point with what we've been talking about. Uh, we are coming up on Easter. We've been spending time in the Gospel of Mark, as you know, and then we spent a few weeks about, you know, talking about how we can use our words more effectively in conversation with others. But this morning, we're, we're going to start a series for three weeks leading up to Easter. And I really felt uh, compelled and to, I think I told you this already, but to be really meditative or reflective on Scripture I think one of the things that's amazing about Easter is there's so much stuff that happens leading up to Easter uh, that, that the point can get lost in the details sometimes. I mean, as a matter of fact, we, we think about the reality of Easter itself. Easter is just a crazy busy weekend for everybody. As you've been watching, there's like things coming up in the community, like there's an egg hunt on the square, I think, and then maybe the DFW has one, and it's like there's all this stuff happening around Easter. And then even in Christian circles, there's, there, you know, there's this thing that Chris kind of talked about this morning with the betrayal of Jesus and then leading up. And some churches have like Monday, Thursday services. Some churches have Good Friday. By the way, on Good Friday, again this year, we'll be having a noon service with other churches in the community. So that's going to be happening this Good Friday. It's, it's in two weeks, actually. And it, I think it'll be at uh, Congregational Church on the Square at noon on Good Friday. And then you have the three days as we remember that Christ is laying in the tomb, and then we come to Easter, right, this moment. And so as we were leading into the season of Easter, and we were talking last week actually about this idea of, you know, proclamation and um, small group Bible study, and then meditation, our own private time, and then counseling, giving advice to others about how the Word is used in our lives, I wanted to uh, spend a few weeks just meditating on the last words of Jesus, and I was thinking of like all oh, oh, catchy titles and stuff. And I'm like, no, let's just think about, so it's going to be a little different. I'm going to tell you that right now. Today's going to be a little different than normal for us at Family Bible Church. Because I want us to spend a lot of time thinking deeply about very small pieces of Scripture. I mean, part of the danger of a season like Easter is it can go by so quickly that we don't ever get to the point of Easter. And if you've been a believer for any period of time, or even if you're just a seeker curious about who Jesus is, you can't help but look at his life and not stop and pause in awe, which we don't have enough awe in our lives, and wonder at Jesus and all that Easter means. And so I want to take some time to do that, to reflect on the season of Easter. I want to uh, share the scripture with you. I, I, I want to be very overt in this series and I put it on the back of your cards. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to kind of look at the Scripture as well. I'm going to put it on the screens. I just want us to reflect on this. And this is our text for today. We're going to read this, then we're going to pray. Then we're going to spend some time meditating, thinking about it together. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I invite you to pray with me now as we invite the Lord's wisdom and presence with us today. Father God, we thank you so much for um, all the activity and the opportunity we have to be in this world and recognizing you and celebrating you and pursuing you. And Father, we confess that oftentimes we're so busy doing stuff, we don't stop and sit at your feet and listen to your voice that our lives have become so crowded. Indeed, it's awkward at times just to be quiet before you. 
we pray today that this time could be a sanctuary for us. That maybe if we haven't in a while, we would just stop and look and listen in awe. That we would see the amazing truth of the gospel at Easter. Father, we, we can't do this of ourselves and we would not even aspire to, but we want to meet you where you are. We want to uh, come to be in your presence and the only way we can do that is through your Holy Spirit. We just invite your Spirit into our lives, into our hearts and minds. We invite you into the space right now with us. We, we know you're always with us, but we just, we want to welcome you and just um, be with you and let you uh, be God and sovereign of our lives. May we be pliable in your hands. May we be just open to what you're doing in our lives right now. And Father, uh, because you're with us, may we see great things. May, may we know something maybe for, for the first time that we've not known or thought of before. May we celebrate or deepen or reside or dwell or just rest in you in a more profound way than ever before. We love you so much and we thank you for worship. We thank you for the opportunity to sing songs of our belief, to share good words of encouragement to brothers and sisters, and then to proclaim it to the world in the season of Easter. The miracle of Easter. That you would think of us. We thank you so much, Father, for your gift, for this time, for worship and your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. These simple words are so profound, and I just kind of want to walk uh, through it a little bit. Three stopping points along the way to the cross. I mean, right, you know if you're hearing this. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and show you uh, if you, oh, I, I don't, yeah, I do have it up here, 737. If you want to look at a Bible, you can open it to that page. But if you see where we're at in the Gospel of Luke, right, we're toward the end of the Gospel of Luke. There's a reason that the Gospels kind of all come to a culmination at this point because this is the point of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the point of the good news of a Messiah who has come. And, and in this time or in this space, we see Jesus. By now you'll know when he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do or are doing or have done. Jesus is on the cross. So much of the narrative we all know about Pilate and the discussion back and forth has happened. So much of the intrigue of disciples who would say, I will die for you, Jesus, and then betray him all the way to the cross has happened. And in this moment, after all these betrayals and all this abuse and all these things have happened to Jesus, and he's, he's been crucified, Luke says, at that point... Jesus says these words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I've been to, I'm sure maybe you have two Easter seasons, maybe you've gone to an Easter, Easter pageant, you've seen some great productions about the truth and the noise and the clamor of it all and the, maybe they'll even have the crowds scream, crucify, crucify, because that's a narrative we hear from Scripture. But in this moment on the cross, there's this quiet plea or prayer. I was struck by the fact that in this moment of need, this moment of hurt or pain or torture, abuse, sacrifice, execution, in that moment, Jesus goes to where he always goes is to this relationship he has with the Father. He, he starts this out by saying, Father, Father, 
I don't know if you remember this at all. <laughs> when his disciples uh, came to him and they said, um, Jesus, uh, we want to pray like you. How can we pray? What should we do to pray like you? And he said this. Say, say words like this. Our Father who art in heaven. I mean, many of us were raised memorizing that prayer, right? But here in, in this moment of unimaginable, I mean, even from a human perspective, unimaginable agony and pain, even the humanity, Jesus goes to that same place, look at that same prayer. He says, Father, forgive them. I was thinking about this. If you have a tendency to be legalistic about prayers at all, you know, this is how you must pray. You must put your hands together, put your head down, or say this, sign, do the sign of the cross, whatever it is in your life that you think is absolutely, you know, at the end, I remember I was thinking of Dave Stahl because he came and taught us one time about why do we pray in the name of Jesus? You guys remember that lesson he gave us? Because his grandkids asked him, why do we pray in Jesus' name? He's like, I don't know, I'll look it up, <laughs> right? <laughs> we get so ritualistic about how we pray and it becomes just like this bumper sticker in the back of the thing, you know, in Jesus' name, right? But here's Jesus himself on the cross, and he automatically defaults to this form, and yet not perfectly, right? He says, Father, forgive them. In the moment of greatest need, he knows where he has to go. He knows where he wants to go. You know, um, I don't know if we have that in us yet, <laughs> right? Um, People will say, well, why, why should I read the Bible? Or why should I go to worship on Sundays? Or why should I get in small groups? We want it to become our natural response, right? We want to live out of the space of faith. And we see it demonstrated here. We want to be the first words. And by the way, this is pater, which is like the father, right? Like the formal father. I mean, it's just like this thing. He's just like father. You know, the one who's in charge. I mean, when you're really, really, really in a bad place, you go, okay, father, I need your help. Is that what Jesus is doing? And so many of these things say we talk about, <clears throat> it'll be yes and yes. <laughs> yes and more. <laughs> yes and more. Recognizing again on, on the cross that he is not abating his role as son of God. I mean, you think about that for a minute, right? Hanging on the cross, Jesus is like, oh, I was not. I mean, he's like, I am the son of God of the Father. I mean, you, you can't jump past that. You could just miss it, right? That in that moment of agony, he's like, you're my Father and I'm your Son and this is up to us. And, and then he makes a petition. I, I know I've talked to you before about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Isn't that amazing? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays and he says, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. Like if there's any other way to solve this problem, if there's any other way forward for the plan, the, by the way, not human plan, the eternal plan of God, right? If there's any other way, let's do that. And we go from that prayer in the garden to this prayer on the cross where he says, well, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. Pleading. Um, this raises a lot of questions for me. Um, when Jesus asks his Father to forgive uh, us, <laughs> them, those people who crucified him, um, what is going on in his mind? Is he believing in the moment that such torturous response to the truth of the good news of Jesus rightly brings about the wrath of God? Does he believe that there's potential that God would not forgive? 
Maybe this is too far. Maybe this can't be undone. He asks for forgiveness for them. Isn't that funny? By the way, it's also like that we're hearing the side conversation between Jesus and the Father. We have to listen in on it. In the time of greatest agony. You remember the teaching, right? Um, don't curse those who curse you, but bless. Love your enemies. And he says, from the cross, Father, forgive them. We sang a song. I love the way, by the way, I was thinking about this this morning. We always say how God dovetails our worship and our word and the children's message. And we don't plan that. We're not, we're not nearly qualified enough to plan it. And then I thought, well, yeah, we're always talking about Jesus. You know what I mean? We have a pretty narrow target at Family Bible Church when we're talking about Jesus. But it's still amazing. He said, uh, who are you that you should be mindful of us? Do you hear that word we sang today? Who, who are we that you should be mindful of us? And I thought, we were singing, I'm like, here he is, on the cross. On the cross, being mocked and humiliated, despised, hated, spit on, betrayed, left, alone. And in the moment, when he's, when he's with the Father, he's still mindful of us. It's, inc it's incredible. I mean, if you can't get your head and heart around the ridiculous situation that that presents, and that in that moment... Jesus' concern is for us, not for himself. Father, forgive them. Petition and ask on behalf of a guilty people. Oh, guilty people, man. You know, it's funny because by his own confession, we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. Everyone needs forgiveness. By his own confession. I remember one time I was talking. I, I tell you what, one of the greatest blessings about being in the church is we get to live out scripture together. And if, if we do, we have two choices. I'll be honest with you. One choice is when we have hard things in life, we can kind of take a quick left turn and get off the, you know, the, the, the hard road to learning. And we can just kind of get like, play, you know, like placate people and give bumper sticker answers and go quick and easy. And the other thing we can do is we can choose to take that hard road of Jesus and just kind of look deeply and say, we're not going to turn away. We're going to look and examine what the word says. And you, you know what's funny? Um, I remember I was talking to someone and they were talking about forgiveness. And they said, oh, forgiveness is so cheap. <laughs> It just lets people off the hook, you know. Our culture says forgive and forget. You think deeply about forgiveness, and forgiveness does not, does not, is not cheap. We see it demonstrated here on the cross, literally, physically manifests. I want you to get the image in your head. He's on the cross. He's been nailed between two thieves. He's been mocked and spit on. And in that moment, he says, forgive them. You know, he's saying forgive them because it is not right. It is not good. This great friend of mine, as we walk through scripture, made me realize that in order to forgive, we must recount wrongs. As a matter of fact, forgiveness requires that there be a wrong. Or it's not forgiveness at all. And in this moment, the list of men's sins, mankind's sins, had stacked up to such a ridiculous degree. 
And for Jesus to say, forgive them, isn't like, hey, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's like, man, this is wrong. But Father, would you forgive them? He has no illusions about the depravity of man. He has no illusions, listen, about the weak, sinful, broken state of his disciples. And in that moment, he says, Father, forgive them. I love, um, and I say it all the time, there's so many tools available. I know we don't have time. That's it, right? Ironically, we have all these tools and not enough time. Forgiveness, uh, I was looking into it, it means to be sent away. And not sent away like a divorce, but sent away unbound. Because there's a real risk here in this moment that humanity could be, always be bound to this moment with Jesus. They could always be on the hook for crucifying the Son of God. That they could always be on the hook for betraying Him on the deepest possible level. And in that place, Jesus says, Father, set them free. Don't hold them to this moment. Don't let this define everything for them. You see, that's the truth and the danger of unforgiveness. Because if we aren't willing to forgive like Christ forgave us, we bind people to the moment. And no matter what else would happen in their lives, no matter what else God would do, we would say it's not enough because whatever God's doing in life isn't enough because I'm going to hold you to the moment. The imagery like literally wrapping someone to a post, you know, binding them up. And in, in this moment where Jesus has been nailed to a tree, bound literally for the sins of the world, he says, Father, will you set them free? By the way, one of the dangers of uh, Bible study is we get all heady about it. I mean, it's, it's good to think deeply, but we get all up in here in our noggins, man, and we just live here in this philosophical, theoretical, theological space. Take all the humanity, all the reality out of the offer that Jesus makes on the cross. And one of the ways over time has happened is I have a question. It says, Father, forgive them. Forgive who? In this moment on the cross, who is Jesus asking forgiveness for? Over many, many years, I mean thousands of years since Christ was here, there's been debate and scholars and people thinking. And there's been movements that have been um, not good. I don't say ungood. <laughs> uh, not true. Um, there's this Old Testament idea of a scapegoat, right? Where you bind up your sins on the person that you like the least, and you, it's a goat usually. God help goats, <laughs> you know? They bind up the goat, and they put, put them out. <laughs> Run them off into the hills to die. It's a scapegoating. And there's been a tendency in this moment to forgive who to scapegoat somebody. Who is Jesus praying for on the cross? Surely he's not praying for me. So we make it someone else. Because we know Jesus. He's our Savior. Many have said, well, yeah, it's forgiveness for Jews, right? I mean, Jesus' own people betrayed him. You know the story, right? They took him. They couldn't figure out a way because they were under foreign rule. They couldn't figure out a way to have him killed him themselves. And so they took him. And they've been, you know, you read the Gospels, right? They're constantly looking for a space to mess with Jesus. 
They're constantly trying to trick him, get him to blaspheme, get him to do something that's not right. They've called him a blasphemer and a liar and a heretic, a drunkard, a glutton. And so they bring him to, 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 to the rulers to, to be judged. You know the story. Bring the Pilate and even go to um, the Tetrarch. Remember that guy from Mark? We'll get back to that. So maybe that's it. Maybe Jesus is on the cross and he says, uh, Father, forgive the Jews. They don't know what they've done. See, Gentiles love that man. They say, well, that's right, because them Jews, they, they did it to Jesus. But Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? Like, Jesus is people. Father, forgive my people. Well, wait, wait. Uh, they're the people of God. And Father, forgive your people. Yes. You know, leading up to this in, in Luke, um, on the way, Jesus said, Woe to Jerusalem! There will come a day that they would pray that the mountains would fall upon them. If you act this way, whenever the, the, the stalks are green, what happens when the stalks are brown? He's like, I'm here with you, and you're driving me to the cross. Woe to you! Maybe he means the ruling party, the politicians. You remember the famous conversations with Pilate? Do you know who I am? Don't you know I have the authority to take your life? Or spare it. Remember those? Now Jesus is on the cross. No sparing. No mercy. Maybe he's asking forgiveness for the politicians of the day. For the rulers, the oppressors. For the soldiers who are standing at his side. Who nailed him to a cross. Who lifted the beams. Who hung him there. Who pierced his side. Maybe he's looking at them in that moment and says, Father, forgive them. Is that who he's talking about? Yes. And yes. Maybe he means all the people in the crowd that could have set him free instead of Barabbas, the murderer. Remember that? The politicians not wanting to get their hands dirty said, you know what, you choose. This is your decision to make. I can set someone free. And you get an insinuation from the gospel that the dude's going, Pick Jesus, pick Jesus. Like the, here's this really bad dude, and here's this dude that I don't think is really bad. And I know you're, some people are like, this is so apologetic, trying to make peace with the oppressors. But oh, the crowds, crucify him, crucify him. Don't, don't miss it. <laughs> Jesus witnessed that. It wasn't like he was locked away in a cell and heard, they took a vote, Jesus, and you're out. He stood there, looking upon the sea of humanity, looking at uh, Barnab Barnabas, uh, Barabbas, I know I can get it wrong, looking at Barabbas on the stage and this so-called ruler between them. You choose, and they say, we choose Jesus, crucify him. Maybe that's who he means when he says, Father, forgive him. Or the disciples who betrayed him. Or his mother and brothers who thought he was crazy along the way. Hey, how about this? How about humanity? You know you were made in the image of God. You know. God made us in his image. Male and female, he made us like himself. And in this moment, all history, he's been unpacking it. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is here. He says, man, look. This is the moment. 
And all of humanity, this is the problem, right? We can scapegoat. But all of humanity says, no, we do not want Jesus. Crucify him. Get this. The Son of God, incarnate, made flesh, looks upon his creation. He was there in the beginning. He spoke the universe into existence. And the creation says back to him, crucify him. And Jesus says this. Father. Like, you know what I mean? Eternal Father. Forgive them. Everyone who's rejected, everyone who's despised, everyone who's hated us, forgive them. All humanity. Yes. I say yes. And then he says this in the prayer, right? They don't know what they've done. They don't know what they're doing. They know not what they do. Interesting. Is this him saying, um, well, it's not their fault? And what are they, we, doing anyway in the moment? I want to make two major points. Uh, one is in this moment, uh, we're fulfilling Scripture. I'm going to read to you from the book of Isaiah. Uh, we're not gonna, you don't have to turn there. But I would invite you during this Easter season to find some time to read a little bit of Isaiah 53. It's a prophet about the Messiah. It says this, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root springing from dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows, a man who was familiar with suffering. And like one from whom mid men hid their faces, he was despised. And he ex ex esteemed, they, they esteemed him not. No, wait. <laughs> like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows yet we considered him stricken by God smitten by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was placed upon him and by his wounds we are healed I could go on and on 53 you should check it out this week truth is that one of the things that was happening in this moment, they don't know what they do, is scriptures being fulfilled. As a matter of fact, um, the, um, the word knowledge isn't the, the word that we normally would use for knowledge, I would say. You know, gnosko, it's not, it's not head knowledge, right? Like, uh, leave that there for a second. It's not head knowledge, um, it's this idea that they can't perceive the totality of what's happening. They, they don't, they don't, we don't have ability to understand the scale and scope of the drama that's being played out. And this betrayal predicted in Isaiah 53 is played out in the crucifixion of Jesus. His own people reject him. Uh, Deuteronomy 21-23 says, Cursed is a person who's hung on a tree. Cursed. The implication is cursed by God. This verse here, everyone will reject 
Jesus. Everyone will turn on Jesus. Isaiah 50, verse 6, the prophet says, I offer my back to those who would beat me. I offer my cheeks to those who would pull out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. This is the fulfillment of this in Jesus. Everyone will reject him. As a matter of fact, the psalmist, uh, Psalm 22, 6, I believe it is. Nope. 18. Psalm 22, 18. I have it up here as well. Yeah. Psalm 22, 18. <laughs> I'm going to read 17 too. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and they cast lots for my clothes. If you're in uh, Luke 23, after this prayer, verse 36 says this, the soldiers then came up and mocked Jesus. That's not the verse, hang on. Oh no, it's right there, it's right there in 34. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Fulfilling scripture. I mean, they, they couldn't have known Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. <clears throat> and then check out this verse from Zechariah. I don't know if I can turn there. Zechariah 12. This is the response. Because I'm sitting there thinking, if all these things are happening, what is God's response? What, what justifies what Jesus is doing? And look at verse 10. Um, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one that they have pierced, and they will mourn as one mourns for an only child, and they will grieve bitterly for him as one grieves a firstborn son. Another prophecy fulfilled. Even in Jesus' own response, when he says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they've done. So you might say, well, that's, that's good, <laughs> right? The, we fulfilled Scripture. This was God's plan. That's part of what we were doing. But there's another part. And I want to close with this. They were sinning. They were sinning. Sometimes we can differentiate sin and we can say, well, some sin is on purpose, some sin is accidental. Um, some sin is just missing the mark. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're aiming at the target, but you're just missing it. Some sin, you're, you're aiming at the wrong target on purpose because you don't even care anymore. There's like differentiation in types of sin in the scriptures, right? The truth is in this moment, when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they've done or what they're doing. It wasn't just the scriptures being fulfilled. That is certainly happening by the grace of God. But it's that mankind was sinning against God openly, overtly, and passionately. The Jews, the people, God's own people were sinning against God in this moment of Christ on the cross. Uh, we were sinning against God. Uh, the political powers of the world were sinning against God. All of creation was turned toward this moment of overt. It's so funny because if we think about 
You know, sometimes we think, oh, that, that sin was back there in the Garden of Eden. Boy, what a shame that that woman ate off that tree and that man didn't do anything about it and he ate off that tree. And what a shame that that, that snake tricked him. And what, what, a, what an egregious problem that we have in the, the sin-soaked world. But this moment that Jesus is on the cross where he says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. It's the culmination of sin. It's like the piling up of everything. If you think about before Noah, right, the world was wiped out because God was so sick of his sin. Like that made, this made that look like a mound. You know what I mean? Like this was the mountaintop. This, that was the mound. That was a little bit of what this was. I mean, this, this moment of praying for forgiveness because the most egregious things were happening at earth. You think right now, we think, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. We're full of sin. Guess what, man? This is the culmination, the pinnacle of sin and we were all in on it we were all in on it because in this moment that we blew past every red flag to said stop we said no and in the moment listen to me we were not nailing Jesus on a cross for our sins we had no high minded ideals in the moment we are rejecting God Rejecting Yahweh. Rejecting Elohim. No. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let me ask you a question. How does a sinner come to repentance? How does a sinner stop sinning and turn to God? We're rejecting him. The truth is that um, we come by this prayer. Father, forgive them don't know what they're doing. I know what I'm doing. I hate God. I hate Him. So sick of it. Father, forgive them. Don't know what they're doing. And in the moment when God causes these eyes to be open and the heart to get soft and the mind to stop being so stupid and closed, the truth of the expansion of the gospel comes and we're forgiven. We're like, oh, we're forgiven because of Jesus. See, the truth is it's an invitational kind of thing. You know, I mean, I stand up here and say, hey, you got opportunity. Come to Jesus if you want to, if you've thought about it enough and feel like it's a good time for you. It's an invitational opportunity because Jesus is on the cross and in the moment, the highest point of sinfulness. And even right now in your life, if you're rejecting God for real, you know, we talk about, like, I love we were praying before service and dance. Like, let's just sit back in this today, you know. That's what we're called to do, right? We're not God. We're worshiping God. God's God. But in this moment, Jesus says to you, you're forgiven. He pleads with the Father. Forgive him. Because the truth is that we all need forgiveness it's not false guilt y'all i'm not trying to make you feel bad about jesus dying jesus died because he was willing but i hope you don't reject his forgiveness he's counted the cost he knows the ways that we sinned against him we are sinning right now against him and we will sin against him in the future and in the moment of seeing all these things he says father forgive him they don't know what they're doing pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the truth, the expanse, the, the, the totality of the gospel of Jesus this Easter. A couple of questions. Do you believe that's true? Do you believe that's what was going through Jesus' mind on the cross? You, me, all humanity, your neighbors, your brothers, your sisters, your parents, your kids, all included in this prayer. Do you believe he had us in mind? Why do you think that God would put himself 
through this for us? Some questions to think about. Why do you, why do you think the God who made everything would put himself through this for humanity? And what was Jesus pleading for? I'm going to pray as we close. Um, I wanted to mention to you all that we are getting ready to come back into a new season of family groups. We've been talking about the importance of unpacking God's word together. That actually doesn't start this week. It starts next week. Starting next Monday and Wednesday, family groups are kicking up. I mentioned that because on the website, there's actually a questionnaire for this week's study. If you want to print that off, familybc.org. There's a link right there. You can click it. I can tell you the scripture is simple. It's the same scripture we've been studying today. But the question is, if we would spend time, just spend some time thinking about it, profound. Why would Jesus, why would God do this for us? And pray with me as you're led. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for the mystery and the invitation to come and explore, to think, to dwell, to, to, to sit richly at your feet. But truth be told, what we give thanks for is beyond words. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you heard his prayer and that we're included in it. We pray against those times where we're God-haters, insolent, rebels, rebellious against you and your spirit, seeking our own way. Father, honestly, it amazes us, it amazes me, your patience with sinners, your undying love for those who would betray you. Father, I pray that we would live in the place of freedom, that we would not go on rejecting you. Pray, Father, that we'd be caught up in the glory of your story. Help us to respond adequately, appropriately to you in a real way, in a real way, Father, in our lives. May you be glorified. May we seek you first. We pray a prayer of thanks for repentance, forgiveness of sins, and a path forward. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.